All right. Good afternoon, y'all. It's one minute past, so good afternoon. So as the video said, we're going to take a quick break. And I am Pastor Peter. Uh, I serve as the lead pastor of the Springs. Today we have a a small break from our Trinity series right in the middle of our six-week series. And we are going to have a special message, a special unveiling of a new new thing springing forth. I'm going to ask you to spring up to your feet. We're going to stand to honor God's word. And uh, that's too many springs there. I feel you. (laughs) So here we go. Chapter 9 of the book of Matthew. We're going we're gonna to camp out here the whole time. Uh, chapter 9 of Matthew. Now, what we're about to read serves as a blueprint for global revival. I know that was a lot of epic words I said there, but check this out. What Jesus says and what he sees is a blueprint, blueprint for global revival. I'm going to start with verse 35, and I'll read through the end of chapter 9 of Matthew. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, earnestly pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Thank you. Y'all can be seated as we pray. Lord, help us to sort this out. Help us to, to really get a picture of your heart here. Jesus, help us to see what what you're seeing here. Lord, we want to feel what you're feeling. Lord, we want to have compassion like you have compassion. We want to pray like you told us to pray and to go where you're going today. We pray this and we trust you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. This morning, or this afternoon, I want to do three things. I want to unpack what we just read as it relates to the church, the big C church, all people that follow Jesus in all times, in all places, need to understand some things from what we just read. And I'll go through verse by verse. And then I want to specifically just share with you in light of that, what we're doing to be frank with you and tell you our plans and unveil to you something special. And finally, invite you to join us. So here we go. I want to go back through this, this, this passage that we just read. And starting with verse 35 of chapter 9 of Matthew, it says, Jesus went through all the cities. Everyone say, all cities. All the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease. Everyone say, every disease. Every disease. And every affliction. Everyone say, every affliction. affliction. Thank you. Y'all are good participant preachers here. This word all, every, used three times in this verse. Here's what we need to know. Regardless of what we perceive is happening in culture, in history, in our nation, in other nations, what threats might seem to be against us, 
you need to know that Jesus is working beyond what you see. He goes ahead of you. He goes before us. He stands above us. His word is true and it will have its promised effect. You can cash in on that. He was working long before we had a plan to unveil here that we're going to share with you. He was working long before this church existed and he'll continue to work so long as there are harassed and helpless ones that he is choosing to bring to himself. Until he comes back, he will continue to work. His plan is being enacted even as it was promised. And that should provide us some context to trust him even as we're participating with him. It says in verse 35, all these things that Jesus was already doing, and then it says in verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. He saw the crowds, he had compassion. And listen, he saw then and he had compassion then, and you need to know that he sees today and he has compassion today. You know, one of the differences between what we see and what he sees is we see symptoms, but he sees what's really happening in people. We see the tweets. We read the status updates. We see the back and forth, and we, and we might rightly get angry, right? But he sees something so much deeper. Down to the human soul, he sees People, when we fail to see people, he sees people, he sees souls, and he has compassion. The difference between Jesus and us is that he sees people down to the core, and he profoundly grieves, and he deeply has compassion. Now let me illustrate the difference between Jesus and you and me by sharing with you just a struggle uh, that I had to, to see and to have compassion, okay? About two and a half weeks ago, my wife and I endeavored to have a vacation. Now, we tried this last year when we had a two-year-old, a one-year-old, and a newborn. And man, we had, it took us last year a few months to recover from our vacation. We needed a vacation from our vacation. Uh, but nonetheless, we, we tried again with four, three, and a one-year-old, and a seven-year-old, we went and went to the, the Rocky Mountains and went to the Rocky Mount, the YMCA of the Rockies, this, this hotel and lodging area. And we got one room with all of our little deuce animals in there. And everyone's sleeping in the same room. There's bunk beds, but you know what? It's one place full of noise of the babies. And the babiest of the babies was sick. Alma, my three-year-old, uh, uh, got sick at the start. And then our our, our one-year-old got sick at the end. And so the whole time we had sick kids. And one of the first nights, Alma had a really bad sore throat. And she woke up in the middle of the night. If you know me, you know that if I'm woken up in my first two or three hours of sleep, there is a new thing that comes out of me that's like anger, but it's not righteous, okay? And grumpy is a very kind way of describing my disposition in moments like this. Alma woke up, and her decision when she woke up in pain was, many of y'all have heard the misery loves company uh, thing that's said, so she, she wanted to wake everyone up. 
And she chose to scream so that we would all share in her grief. And I felt my own pain in this moment. And I got up and I was so angry at her. Why would you choose to wake us all up like this? Just chill out. I can help you. But don't be so loud. Now, I will say at this point that, uh, for the record, I disagree with her decision for how she expressed her pain and how she brought about pain on others in this moment. I disagree with it. I don't feel like it was the right course of action. Let me have that stated on record. It was not the right decision to make. But listen, at that moment, God didn't care about what I felt was right. Because more than me evaluating what Alma should have done in her pain, God was wanting me to have compassion on her. To see her pain. She had such a sore throat that she couldn't sleep and she didn't know what to do. And the best she could do still wasn't my preference. And she screamed out in pain for three nights, about every 90 minutes. I didn't like it. But eventually, I could have compassion with her and I could express the compassion by getting out of bed, giving her some medicine, snuggling with her until the medicine kicked in, okay? God helped me eventually to get over myself and to start seeing her pain. Now listen, how much is that struggle like our struggle today? People are in pain. There are real reasons for people's pain. People in their pain don't perhaps make the best decisions on how to express their pain to other people in culture. Some in their ignorance and privilege want to express their state of helplessness. And maybe they can be right about certain issues and yet wrong with how to relate to other people. Some people in hopelessness and rage look out in the culture and see what's happening and say, this isn't right. And they say wrong things about what's not right. Their pain is real. How they deal with that pain might be wrong. But we as God's people must distinguish between the moment of pointing out whether or not them expressing their pain, their ignorance, their rage, if, if this is a moment to get them and catch them on whether or not they're right, or if this is a moment to look upon them, to do what we can to feel their pain and to have compassion That's what Jesus was calling me to do this night. And that's what I believe he's calling us to do. To have compassion on people who have real pain and might express it in stupid ways. Why? Because Jesus had compassion on my stupid. And on yours. And if he can have compassion on me, then he can empower me to see and to have compassion like he saw And he had compassion here. Romans 12 says, weep with those who weep. Listen, there's a a time to voice your opinion. And there's a time to weep with those who weep. And if you fail to distinguish your surrendering relationship when God's calling you to have compassion, people are harassed and helpless. It says, 
he had compassion on them, verse 36, because, everyone say because. You can do better than that. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This is Jesus' diagnosis. He saw, he saw all the symptoms like you and I see. He saw the, the brutality and the, the, the murder and the strife and the division, the hatred, the hopelessness, the heartache. He saw the symptoms, but he saw and could rightly diagnose why. They're harassed and helpless because they, they were sheep without a shepherd. People are harassed and helpless today. Can anyone disagree with that? I mean, you can't. You cannot disagree with the state, even of our nation. People are harassed and helpless. But why? It's because they lack something. It's not that they lack your ideas, necessarily. They don't lack your viewpoint or your worldview. People aren't simply lacking uh, conservative values, though conservative values are important. People aren't simply lacking structural opportunities that could be available to them in the system. Look, I'm all for changing the system. But listen, what people lack most on both sides of every issue is the shepherd. And Jesus says fundamentally, People are shepherdless. Maybe certain things in the system or certain things out there can bring reform, but Jesus is the only one who can transform. And transformation is the essence of what is needed for people to really be sheep with their shepherd guiding them. Shepherdlessness. Let me just say this right here. Sheep make bad shepherds. We've said it before. We'll say it again. That's really, uh, that's my life story. I tried to shepherd myself. I had, I I knew some Bible facts because I had a little bit of religiousness growing up and I knew just enough to make myself feel better about the things that I was powerless to change. And I was caught up in a harassed and helpless state, no ability to free myself and to lead myself and to guide myself outside of my sexual perversion, my selfishness. I I, I could try to make myself feel better for a little bit by comparing myself to people who are more perverse, but I was in a state of helplessness. And I tried all I could to prove I had something to prove. I had no idea what to prove, and I didn't know to whom I had to prove it. I was helpless and harassed. And then Jesus entered that state of helplessness in my life and he proved his love for me by sending laborers into my life. And these laborers were other sheep. This is important in this context. Other sheep that were not harassed and helpless because they had heard the voice of the shepherd. Their ears were trained to hear a sound that I wasn't hearing. And you know what they did in their labor? They, they didn't guide me. They helped me to hear the voice of the shepherd. And my life has never been the same. My perspective, what I consider my rights and who I am is more profound than where I come from. I am a sheep that belongs to the good shepherd. And now I'm a laborer of his. You see, sheep make bad shepherds. But even something more dangerous than that is wolves that shepherd. 
You know, in our culture today, there is cultural desperation. Uh, Things that you should grieve about and and things that should cause you to wonder and and to be outraged by. Uh, There are fears. There are financial concerns. And listen, there are people who are outraged about so many different things. And on all sides of all these issues, you have people that have voices of outrage that are rising up into different levels of influence and different things because they can, they can express and identify with the outrage of people. But so often we think as sheep that just because these certain voices, whether political voices or other voices, just because they can identify with our pain and our outrage, that they're worthy voices to lead and guide us. And let me tell you, so often they're just wolves. And perhaps someone can identify with our pain, but that doesn't mean that's the voice of the good shepherd, that we can find rest in our weariness, in our outrage. You see, if we can identify that there's a problem and yet misdiagnose the problem, then 100% of the time we will have the wrong prescription, the wrong solution. Jesus says people then and people now are in a state of harassed and helpless state because they lack a shepherd. Specifically, the good shepherd leading, guiding. The same Jesus who sat and watched and had compassion and people to the core also had a solution. Come on, somebody. A solution here. There's a lot of people that can articulate problems and maybe articulate potential solutions that only contribute more to the problem. But Jesus says, look, there are harassed and helpless sheep. They're, they're, they're sheep without a shepherd. But listen, let me tell you something different. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Now, when I read this, it seems almost like it comes out of a different chapter. Jesus is going through all the cities, the villages. He's healing everybody. He sees the crowds. He, he has compassion on them. They're helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. And it just seems so abrupt and strange that the next thing he says, it seems like, what, what, what does that have to do with this, right? He sees the state of humanity and people are messed up. And he says, wow, the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. I'm thinking, okay, you're identifying with the negativity here. People are struggling. But why, what's this like abrupt positive statement that you're making to assess the situation, right? The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. You see, Jesus sees something we don't see. He doesn't just see the problem. He sees the solution rising to the surface, even as the problem is rising to the surface. He sees the state of harassedness and helplessness and even as it's being exposed and and the, the pains and the torment of it are being exposed and uncovered, he's saying, this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity. You know, even think about it in our day. I think one of the greatest things that plagues and oppresses our culture is the silent things. It's the distractions. It's what, what NBA superstar signed with a different team this week. 
and all the trivialities wage war on our soul to dilute us to nothing. And you know what? This week, there might be a, a, a divisive spirit trying to wage war with humanity, but I'll tell you right now, this week, people are sensitive to the reality that human life is of infinite value and precious worth. And we're not driven by trivialities like so often. And Jesus is saying, the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. And in a difficult moment, I want to speak to you, he says. I want to, to assess this. And I want to say, when Jesus makes an assessment about the state of our culture, the state of humanity, what is it in us that, that would try to, to war against his assessment? In fact, ask yourself, what is it in you that, that struggles to be in agreement with Jesus' assessment, not only of the problem, but of the imminence of the solution today? When Jesus says, things are messed up, harassed and helpless sheep, no shepherd, man, but the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. That's, that's the issue. What, what is it inside you? For, for me, often it's, well, well, I've tried to reach out to people, Right? I've tried to reach it. They're just as stubborn as I am. They're set in their ways. Or, or fear. Or distraction. Maybe it's your own distraction. I've invited him to church so many times. You know, he, he continues to be such a jerk. What is it about the power of God that saved me that at some point between when he saved me and he changed me, and I started hearing his voice. And now I struggle to agree with him that the harvest is plentiful. It is ready. He's saying, you might think it's the last moment that I'm going to advance my kingdom. But he says, right now it's plentiful. The laborers are few. He's saying, right now is the opportune moment. Get ready. That's what Jesus says. Not only does he say this is the state of things and this is the opportunity available, he points at you and I and he says, okay, now I have an assignment for you. I have a specific thing for you to do about this. Verse 38, after saying the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, he then says, therefore, everyone say therefore. Therefore, therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers to the harvest field. Therefore, pray. Pray for healing. Pray for God to be near to those with heartache. But listen, he says pray specifically for laborers to be sent out. Pray for a going, a mighty, rushing, multiplying, overwhelming going. Right now, He's not saying pray that the going would be easier, that someday the going would happen. He's saying pray now for labors to be sent. He's saying now is the moment. Now it's interesting to note when he, this, when this same, ish, this same situation is recorded in Luke, it's actually interesting that he actually sends them. We get a picture that he's sending the disciples out and it's almost like he stops them before he says pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. This is Luke 10. It's almost like he's like, okay, go out, but wait, now pray to the Lord of the harvest. It's almost like there's no competition between our praying and our going. Jesus could say, go and be prayerful in your going. 
Or you could say pray and be going in the midst of your prayer. Either way, he's called us to be a prayerful people. He's called us all to be a going people. He's called us all to be prayerful goers into a, a culture of people who are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Some exhibit symptoms of ignorance and privilege and heartlessness and guilt and reactiveness. Other sheep without shepherds exhibit feelings of hopelessness and rage. What they all have in common is that they're needing to be gathered to the family, to hear the voice that unites us together. When if you look around the room, there's no sociological reason why we should be in the same room. There is a shepherd that's gathered us to be prayers and goers. All of us. We are to be a prayerful, going people. So let me tell you what we've been, as a church, praying about for the last few years and that we're continuing to pray about and and what we're going in. Let me share with you some specific things that we're doing as a church. This year, on September 11th, we are planning to launch a new service of our church in a new site, in a new city. The Springs will open up a Sunday night service in South Austin. I will be preaching there to start off our service up there on the evenings, similar to how I preach here in the mornings. And more expediently, though, we are training up a distinct team of leaders to carry weight up there like the leaders and myself carry weight down here. Simultaneously, in Austin... We are already being releasing uh, workers to two distinct campuses in South Austin, Houston Tillotson, a historically black university, and St. Edwards. We're already going and seeing laborers sent and sheep being called home to Jesus. We're holding preview services next month, one mile from both of these campuses that we're working out. God has provided some amazing things with that. In fact, uh, we're already preparing a launch team the last few months this summer, and we have a, a few specific spots to fill on our launch team, and we want you to be prayerful about everyone. Uh, in fact, if you're on our launch team, would you raise your hand? Thank you. A few up front and then a few in the back. One of the reasons are is we're, as we're preparing for our previous services this next month, we have our, our launch team flexing their service-leading muscles to help prepare there by serving down here. Now, even though this is a, a new channel of our stream, if you will, it's from the same springs. It's from the same source. And so even though this is a new thing to celebrate, it's not a new vision. It comes from the same place in doing what we've always done. The best thing that we can offer harassed and helpless, precious people is growing in being followers of Christ, family-focused, and fishers for men. That's what we do. That's who we are. And the best thing we have to offer 
Austin, though we will make adjustments in culture and learn things about people that will endear themselves to us and help us to grow as we're going, the best thing that we can, have, we can offer them is the springs that God has given us. We'll train distinct and new leaders, but we will grow in being these three relationships. Our strategy is to grow in our relationship with God as followers of Christ and with one another as family focused and to grow with those who he's adding into his family as fishers for men. That's our vision. That's our relationship value. That's who we are. That's what we do. We see this manifest on Sunday mornings. We grow as disciples of Jesus in these three areas. And we see it especially manifest uh, strategically in our growth groups. We gather together in many different places and and already a very thriving and multiplying uh, set of growth groups that are launching out towards Austin right now. And we get together in our meetings and we seek God's word as followers of him. We go deeper into what we're studying here on Sunday mornings and we grow in light of his word by following him. It's our relationship with God. And we pray for one another because of our relationship with one another. We lift up needs that we have. But listen, we also lift up names that we have. Specific people that we pray for in that meeting that are not yet in that meeting. That's what we do. And that's who we are. Let me show, share with you a, a relationship to what, what we did a, a few years ago in light of this and how it's helping us launch out with what we're doing uh, as we're going into Austin. Jazz is the name of a gal who serves uh, right now on our launch team. And she serves uh, in, our, in our hospitality today. Jazz was a name on one of our VIP prayer lists that we prayed for in one of our growth groups a few years ago. She was a name that we lifted up. We prayed for one of the, one of the guys in our, in our church that was leading a growth group. He, he met Jazz at work and had an interaction with her and he wrote her name down and started praying for her. Then he, after praying for her, he invited her into relationship. He invited her to their growth group. And after a few times of inviting and praying and inviting, she came to the growth group. And after praying and inviting, he connected her to our church. And she started coming to our church here. And she gave her life to Jesus. She had a radical encounter with the living Christ. And a few months went by. She moved to Austin. We were disconnected to her, uh, from her for a little while. But this spring, when we told her that we're launching out and we're doing some of these things, we're telling her about what, her, what we're doing, she said, you know what? I think I want to be a part of what we're doing in South Austin. And my, my, my fiance, Cyrus, wants to be a part too. And so I sat down and had coffee with him when we shared what we're doing. We shared about, about how Jesus is wanting to send laborers into the harvest field. And I asked Cyrus, I said, have you ever heard his voice? We, we began to talk about the gospel, about how Jesus lived the life that we should have lived and died the death we should have died and rose again so that we could have new life. I said, have you had new life yet? He said, no, but that's what I want. So even as he was prayerful about being a part of our team to be a laborer, Jesus saved him. And a few weeks later, we baptized both of them. This is a few weeks ago as Cyrus and Jazz. So listen, even as Jesus is telling us to be prayerful about reaching the helpless and harassed, 
he is reaching those that he's using too. I want to tell you just another, share with you another story on this video about what God is doing here in our midst in San Marcos in this precious Reyes family and provide context about what he's going to do from here. I feel like um, growing up, I've always been a Catholic and, you know, I go to church every Sunday and if he couldn't make it, then I would still take my kids to church. Um, but not until, you know, I started going to your church, started going to the Springs, and then I, you know, opened my Bible and actually read it and, you know, follow along in church and go to group, growth group and actually, like, start to understand it more and read it on my own, like, as something that I wanted to do, not something that I was forced to do or not something that I just did in bits and pieces while at church. Um, it, like, helped me understand it more, and then, you know, he, like generally like loves to go and that was something really good especially to bring our family closer um you know he like takes us through morning prayer some days which is really nice and um you know we always prayed at night but never did we start praying in the morning which is really good and um you know whenever we're in the car we listen to you know the music and it's just it makes your day even better than what it was you know the day before I've just been really taken back by the changes that God has made in our life and just in, with my family, but as well personally, I met you, Peter, way back in Texas State and it was just, uh, you'd always invite me out and I never took you up on the opportunity and God had my plan set to me run into you again and, and Josh was there to help me out with this all up. Josh invited me out, came to church, and there you were, Peter. I was like, well, we are meant to be together around one another. But uh, it's been breathtaking. I've really felt all kinds of changes in our life. Um, God's done amazing things um, in my life up to this point. Like, the growth group has helped out a lot. It's just something that I'm taken back by. I don't really know how to explain it. It's kind of a hard thing to explain. Hi, I'm Joshua Guerrero. And I'm Rachel Guerrero. And we wanted to share the story of how we met and started to grow with the Reyes family. Uh, First, I worked with Cecilia a few years back, and I hadn't seen her in a while, but we met again at a wedding. And um, Joshua got Conrad's information from there. Uh, Yeah, from there, I uh, I reached out to Conrad and invited him to growth group. And he wasn't able to come that night, but we added him to our VIP prayers and prayed for him that night. Uh, and that following Sunday, actually, I remember being up on stage and looking down, and, and lo and behold, Conrad and his wife uh, walked in. Um, the really incredible part was just that he actually walked up and greeted Pastor Peter. Uh, it turns out that although we had prayed for him the week before, uh, Pastor Peter had actually talked to him years before and had added him to his VIP prayer list all those years prior. Uh, from there, uh, Conrad began to attend our men's growth group on Tuesday nights uh, and eventually started attending Establish where a conversation about baptism actually became uh, prevalent and and kind of we started talking that out which led into a beautiful moment where him and his wife I remember being baptized there in the San Marcos River um, with his kids looking on and all these great things And, and now he's just a valuable part of our growth group on Tuesday nights and I know that Cecilia has been great in the women's one on Wednesdays as well. Yes, she's um, grown a ton. She's really excited about where her family is. 
and she's been excited about reading the Bible, and I'm just excited that they are in community with us at the Springs, and they're also a part of the body of Christ. Praise God. Amen. I want to tell you, people are infinitely precious to God, to the Good Shepherd. You are precious. This family still has needs to grow in Jesus, just like I do. And God's still using them in the midst of their need to draw others to himself. The, the Guerrero family who you just saw in that video, they simply identified with God. They prayed, they invited, they connected. And God is doing a work even as we continue to hear the voice of our shepherd who guides us well. Specifically, the Guerrero family is going to be going with us. Joshua and Rachel will be going up to Austin to help us launch. It'll be one of our main leads. And we're sending Joshua and Rachel to the Every Nation Assessment Center to, to prepare for uh, their own gathering of weight as future church planters. My hope is this, that even within one year, I won't be preaching up there every week. Our church is the springs. It's plural. I want a plurality of godly men preaching God's word and multiplying and gathering in the harvest even as they're sent out. One church in multiple locations. And we have a plan enacting to see people sent out. My question to you is what is, what is your part? We're seeing God do things from San Marcos, but I actually believe that it's going to continue to multiply what he's doing in San Marcos. Even as there's a few that are sent out, there will be an opportunity left for us to see what God's doing, to take us to places in this city where we've never gone before, where there just so happen to be helpless and harassed, precious people of infinite worth that by no mistake have interacted with you and God's sovereignly placed you around so that you might put them, write their names down on your VIP prayer list and bring them before your growth group to invite them into relationship and to connect them to God's church. What's your part? I'm going to ask you, what is, what is the conviction that God gives you even as... Uh, even in the middle of the summer, as there's a team of over 20 people that have said, you know what, I want to utilize my summer for something like this, to prepare for something like this. I hope that that can give you a joy and a conviction and a nudge from God that says, I, I, can, I can hear, see God use me in a new way. What is, what is God sharing with you with how you are to be in prayer and joining with us in this. Maybe you're, you are to, to pray and fast in a special way for this team as we launch out in the next few months, uh, leading up to September 11th, where our planned launch date is. Maybe you're supposed to be immensely prayerful. Maybe, maybe you have people in Austin that you are to actively and sacrificially spend some time to connect to our team, even the next few days and weeks. Maybe you are to give. I... 
beyond our regular tithes and offerings, we're needing to raise $15,000 to cover rent and a few other different things that will enable us to be positioned in Austin to reach out to people. Maybe that's part of what you're supposed to be doing. I'm asking you to allow Jesus to help you identify with what he sees in the culture, to agree with his solution and his, his diagnosis of the problem, but that there's an active solution even in the midst of it, and to prayerfully go with us in one way or another. If you're a follower of Jesus, the question is not whether you're not, you should be going, it's where. Uh, are you, are you to, to jump and dive in fully to our growth groups and, and to be prayerful about that? Are you to go with us in some other way? I'm asking you to pray about that. And then before we close, you might be in here and what's most overwhelming to you is that you're still just in a place of, of harassed, being harassed and helpless. And you're needing to, for the first time, Surrender your life to Jesus to lay everything down before him and find your rest in him. If that's you, I want to invite you, bring who you are, the plans of your life before the shepherd. Just lay it down at his feet. Can we pray together? Jesus, I pray that you would help us to to rightly assess how you're leading us, how you're shepherding us. I thank you that that you, can, you will clearly speak to, to what we need to do to follow you. And that in joy and in peace, we can, in faith, take it a step at a time and see you do through us what we could never do on our own. I pray for peace and clarity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we stand to our feet, please? As we close, if you need prayer for anything, uh, if, you need, if you have questions about anything, if you need to talk to about us about any of these things, uh, we'll be available at the connections table or in the back as we close. Um, but otherwise, we'll, we'll keep you updated with everything we're doing. Thank you. We're dismissed.